something that I think about a lot, believe it or not, is success. Part of the mission of my life is to encourage students to be successful. Uh, this isn't just a, a job for me. It's something that I really, really want to see my students to go on into life and to be successful in life. And of course, successful from God's perspective. The message this morning, you may not think about it in terms of success, but I believe it is. This character quality is essential for success in today's world. And it is simply the need for self-control. In modern America, with such a technology-driven society, perhaps more than ever, we have a need for self-control. The sermon has three simple points. Self-control in the Bible the benefits of self-control, and then finally, self-control and your life. So first, self-control and the Bible. Well, actually, the Bible kind of starts with a major lack of self-control. This, of course, is Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis 3, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye... This is where all dieting problems started, right here, Genesis 3. She saw the the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it, a lack of self-control. As prideful people, we don't like control. From the squirmy toddler who says, let me go, to the ticked-off teen who says, why can't I go? We don't like restrictions in our life. This is true for adults as well. There is always, you can think about times in your life where you just didn't like control, and you would have rather just put self-control on the back burner. Just let me do what I want to do. And this lack of self-control all began in in Genesis chapter 3. Now, what is self-control? Self-control could be defined as the lack of self-restraint. Just the inability to say no. So, of course, you know, there's the famous dieting example and and the struggle. No, I know I shouldn't. Am I going to have self-control in this or not? Uh, I'm sorry, kids, for using this as an example, but, you know, okay, I need to sit down and do my homework now. Oh, I'm tempted to entertain myself. Uh, Social media, uh, nope, self-control, you know, self-restraint. Okay, I'll do my homework. Or maybe it's just I need to do some work right now. Whatever the work might be in self-control, self-restraint. Now, self-control in the Bible. What is the biblical definition of self-control? Sure, it does involve self-restraint, but the Bible, very importantly, the Bible goes deeper. 
Self-control could be stated this way. Simply victory over sinful desires. As we look at our text for this mor- from this morning in Ephesians chapter 5, what is self-control? Self-control is this. It is the power of the Holy Spirit within you to resist self-centeredness. And so, what does, what does it say here? It says, the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of gritting your teeth and saying, I will overcome. No, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness. Oh, yes. And the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. To live a fruitful, flourishing life is a Spirit-filled life with self-control, saying no to self-centeredness. Self-control is essential is an essential part of being a Christian disciple. You, you can't just say, oh, that's too hard. I'll focus on other things. Part of being a disciple of Jesus is to grow in self-control. Uh, a great discipleship passage, 2 Peter chapter 1. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control, to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness. You see here this, with these two passages, the beautiful coming together of we're responsible for our actions, and so we need to put great effort into living as a disciple of Jesus, but at the same time we realize our limitations and our weakness And so we need, we absolutely need God's Spirit to work within us to bear this fruit of the Spirit within our lives. So, the Bible and self-control. It all began with a lack of self-control. True self-control is victory over sinful desires. And while we do need to put great effort into living as a Christian, we must constantly acknowledge we need God, we need his spirit working within us. Second, self-control and its benefits. Self-control and its benefits. Uh, For you alliteration lovers, uh, here we have the three sub-points here. Uh, What does self-control produce in your life? Good things. It doesn't cramp your style. Self-control brings much freedom, managed feelings, and more focus. First of all, self-control brings freedom. Now, what is the world's perspective? The world's perspective is this. This book was written a long time ago. It's a bit old-fashioned and a bit too restricting. The world's perspective is, if you want freedom... Don't chain yourself to the Bible. That was for a long time ago. Get with the times. Do what you want to do. This is the world's perspective. And it can creep into our lives 
and influence us sometimes more than we care to realize. When you think about freedom, though, isn't it kind of obvious that none of us have absolute freedom? I, I did not choose my height or my eye color, my abundance or lack of hair. I did not choose these things. Now, of course, human choice goes a long way to determining how our lives are lived out, of course. But there, think about it. There's a lot of things that you don't get to choose at all. Uh, your DNA has a lot of effect on you, right? Besides the fact I didn't get to choose my parents, I did not get to choose where I grew up, I did not get to choose what time in history that, that I was alive. There are so many things about life where, well, you could say that, that we're not free. We, did, we didn't get to choose. Now, what is the biblical perspective on freedom? From Galatians 5, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. God's will for your life is freedom, not restriction. It is freedom. This is part of God's will for you. You are called to be free. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Think about it. We are all controlled by something. Some people are controlled by their feelings. More about that in just a minute. Some people are controlled by the opinions of other people. This has been made much worse by social media today. How many likes do I have? Do people like me online? Controlled by other people's opinions. And without Jesus Christ, we are controlled by sin and death. And so, oh, this is good. Are you ready? The question that humans, whether they're in this room right now or not, the questions humans must ask is not, how can I have freedom? The question is this. What am I going to submit to that allows the most freedom in my life? As humans, we are, we are profoundly weak. And so, from the biblical perspective, it is, what am I going to submit to in order to have more freedom. Genesis 5, you were called to be free in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 119, 133, direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule, enslave, let no sin rule over me so that I might be free. In essence, to follow you, O God. Self-control brings much freedom. It also brings managed feelings. Managed feelings. How are you feeling right now? Hopefully not bored. I'll look here. Yes. Look nice, alert. Yes. Uh, how are you feeling? Feelings are good. Feelings are 
are a part of the richness of human experience. Are they not? I mean, God has given us feelings. And it is very important to be honest with what's going on inside, to be honest with our feelings. However, how governed by your feelings are you? Okay, sure, there's times where our feelings call the shots. I'm feeling hungry. Oh, I'm going to have, a, have some food. I mean, this is good. But how often do feelings call the shots and determine how you live your life? Why do you do what you do? Is it because, or is it based on your feelings? So I am bored. I am upset. I am frustrated. I am tired. I am lonely. I feel unloved. I feel hurt. I feel lustful. And so all of life, every day is, how can I feel better? And that's kind of the goal of life. People live this way, where feelings are governing them. One big thing in today's world is being bored. Oh, I'm bored. Oh, I'm bored, so I need, I need to entertain myself because I'm bored. I'm just telling you. The cure for that is go outside, sit under a tree, and continue being bored. This is actually, this is good. This is good, and maybe you'll work yourself out of it. We feel certain ways, And so we must entertain ourselves. We must waste time. Sometimes people, oh, this is sad. Sometimes people hurt themselves in order to feel better. We can manipulate people, become aggressive, become passive. And then ultimately, the worst is we get addicted. We get addicted to feel better, and in the process... We harm our lives even more and become slaves to the addiction. Feelings controlling us is not a fruitful, flourishing life. I was in uh, ethics class. We were discussing very various personal ethical issues. The subject of being drunk came up. Okay, is, is being drunk wrong? And there was... One bright student that said, well, as long as you're of age, wink, wink. Okay, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. As long as you're of age and you don't drink and drive, getting drunk is fine. As long as you stay home. Why, I asked. Well, you're not hurting anybody. It's fine. So why is getting drunk or you could say getting high as well. Why is getting drunk and getting high wrong? Well, the Bible says it's wrong, but think about it. Why does the Bible say it's wrong? Because you're responding just to feelings, and in the process, you're losing self-control. Losing self-control. And so Ephesians Five states, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to, to debauchery, excessive sinfulness, typically around sensual pleasures, debauchery. Uh, 
Instead, don't get, don't, don't get drunk on wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. A lack of self-control with feelings leads to a lack of, of spiritual passion and a good life, a meaningful life, is a life that, yes, embraces emotions, yes, is, is honest with our feelings, but it is controlled by the Spirit. Controlled by the Spirit. A self-controlled life that is Spirit-empowered brings managed feelings. And then more focus. More focus. Uh, those of you in here that maybe are older and don't have much use of screen in your life, this is good. But the fact of the matter is screen use in contemporary society has skyrocketed uh, with all of the screens around us, from small mobile devices to medium-sized mobile devices to big TV screens or whatever. Screen use has skyrocketed. One of the results of that is that we become very distracted. Some people say this generation is the most distracted generation that has ever grown up. Uh, distractions. A uh, business insider, okay, this is not just Bible teacher opinion. This is business insider did a study and they found that smartphones are lowering the ability to focus and be productive. Why? Because of a lack of self-control with the smartphone. That's why. It's, oh, I can't, no self I can't put it down. I've got to keep checking. Oh, this, 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 this. And so distractions. I want you to think for a moment about stories that inspire you. Okay, maybe it's a, a book that talks about somebody's life. Maybe it's a movie. Maybe it's a real-life person, maybe it's a fictional character, I don't know, maybe it's a superhero. What is often very common about the stories that inspire us, the people in the stories that inspire us? Now, not always, but very often, those stories that touch us inside are about people with a singular focus. They have a vision and they are surrounded by great obstacles, great forces that are trying to distract them or hinder them from achieving the goal, but with great focus and with great hope, they press on. My friends, how biblical. And we get inspired by these stories. Oh, yeah. And then we go back to our distracted lives and psh, the inspiration is all gone. Now, I went to the Bible and I did a word search for the word focus. In the NIV Bible, the, focus, uh, the word focus does not occur in the text at all. It just occurs in the introduction written by the editors. So I thought I'd try out another Bible translation. I went to the ESV, English Standard Version, searched for the word focus. It's not there at all. And again, it was just in the introduction written by the editors. However, the idea of focus is essential. 
and it is in God's word. So I just, I just picked one uh, passage that I, I happen to like. Uh, Psalm 1, verses 2 and 3. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates, who focuses? Meditation is focus, over and over, meditation. Who meditates on his law day and night, that person who focuses on God's word. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Successful life. A self-controlled life that focuses. More focus. So, the self-controlled life, if I didn't sell you at the beginning of this sermon, I hope I did now. A self-controlled life brings you much freedom, managed feelings, and more focus. This is writing God's word. And so now, self-control and your life. Self-control and your life. What are you going to do in response to God's message today? And in just a moment, I have two very practical applications to this message. I want you to think about it this way. These two application points are not, oh, I'm going to do them, check, no, now I feel much better about my Christian life. Think about them this way. Jesus Christ came and solved the problem of human limitation, the problem of sin and death. Jesus conquered sin and death on the cross and through his resurrection. And then what did Jesus say to his disciples? I am going to leave you, the ascension, and I am going to send the Holy Spirit to work in your life, to work in this world. God's work in us. So my two application points are essentially this. Ways in which you can place your life before God to say, have thine own way. How can we come before God with a humble, soft heart to receive God's good work within our lives? Now, my two ways also, and interestingly, have been uh, used by the world in profitable ways. So in my reading, I came across these two ways, and I thought, wait a minute. There are people in the world making big bucks off of these biblical principles. They took the truth, took God out of it, and they're, they're peddling this in the world. Okay, so, so here we go. The, the two application points for self-control. Uh, the first one is the 10-minute meditation. The 10-minute meditation. Now, as you can imagine, there are meditation apps but there is even a 10-minute meditation app. Um, if you're familiar with TED Talks, uh, TED Talks are uh, short, 20-ish minute talks uh, by very smart people on the cutting edge of, of their field. Uh, they're presented various places. They videotape these. 
kind of interesting. Anyway, there's a TED talk on the 10-minute meditation. There is talk in the world of 10-minute meditation. What is 10-minute meditation? It is basically sit still, breathe, relax, and do nothing for 10 minutes. Uh, Why is this so popular? Well, I'll I'll tell you why. Um, Our brain... Now, this is the easy explanation, okay? Um, Our brain has different parts to it, right? And a good, healthy brain, all of the parts are talking to each other. Correct? The brain is very impressionable. Scientists have found that increased screen use creates ruts, shall we say, ruts in a person's brain, which means it hinders different areas of the brain talking to each other. For the point of this message, it hinders the reasoning part of the brain talking to the feelings part of the brain. You want both. You want both to talk to each other. And just like people who get addicted to things create ruts in their brain, so increased screen use creates these ruts as well. Scientists have found that even 10 minutes a day of sitting still and doing nothing and relaxing helps the brain kind of repair that. I read this, and I thought, God is genius, of course. God has created prayer to not only help us grow with God in relationship, but also... Prayer helps us biologically as well in this screen-driven society. Little smiles. I mean, isn't this something? And so uh, the the point of application here is, uh, for, for instance, myself, I have morning devotions in God's word and prayer. That's good. I'm not talking about that, though. I'm talking about another time during the day where you take 10 minutes out and you simply have 10 minutes of worshipful prayer, just consciously acknowledging God's presence. You sit still, you breathe. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Simple, non-agenda-driven Simple, meditative prayer. And as you do that, you are growing in faith. You are actually opening up your heart to the Spirit's work, to the fruit of the Spirit, self-control, and you're helping your brain as well. So that's number one, the 10-minute meditation. Uh, Number two is, uh, let me call it this and I'll explain it, One hour of defining work. So there's a productivity uh, expert. Uh, This man's name is David Allen. And David Allen came up with GTD, getting things done. And he's very popular in the business world with productivity types. How can we as humans be more productive in the business world? Okay? Uh, The guy is known. He speaks. He makes big bucks. So he says this, there are three types of work. One, is defi- uh, one type of work is predefined work. 
your responsibilities. The other type of work is work that, uh, work that just appears during the workday, kind of work that interrupts you, that, oh, i got to take care of this. And the third type of work is defining work, thinking about what you should be doing. So what most uh, business professionals do is they spend all of their time in their predefined work, in their work as it appears, and they don't spend much time in the defining work, that third category. He says an average professional should spend up to an hour a day in the thinking about what I should be doing category. I read that and I went, hello, this is this is prayer once again with God taken out. And so I ask you, when is the last time, and it doesn't have to be an hour, but when is the last time you spent a significant amount of time praying about God's direction for your life, about your call to ministry, about how God has gifted you and how God wants to use you? And as we spend a significant amount of time seeking God for his direction, we are opening up our hearts to simply have thine own way, Lord. Holy Spirit, work. May your fruit work in my life. We are opening our hearts to the fruit of self-control. And so in conclusion... Self-control is one of the most important character qualities to have in this fast-paced, information-overloaded, constantly-connected, over-scheduled life. Self-control is more than just saying no to something. It is resisting the power of self-centeredness through the power of the Holy Spirit. And self-control brings you much freedom, managed feelings, and more focus. We need God's help. How is God calling you to unplug, to become more prayerful, and to open up your lives to the work of the Holy Spirit within you? May God Almighty bless you on your journey this week. Amen.